Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Mark Rupert, CEO of Sigma Labs. Good morning, Mark. Uh, good morning, Jeff. Mark, thanks for joining. And for those that are listening and are not familiar with Sigma Labs, can you please just give us a quick overview? I'm sure. Sigma Labs is a software company headquartered in Santa Fe, New Mexico. We're listed on the NASDAQ under the single symbol SGLB, and we develop and market software for the additive manufacturing or the 3D printing market. Okay. And I noticed that you joined the company um, fairly recently. Is that correct? I, I joined um, just about a year ago, just less than a year ago. And for a bit of background on the company, and to parse down what I had mentioned earlier, for those of, not, of you that are not familiar with additive manufacturing or 3D printing, if you take traditional manufacturing, which is subtractive, where you take a piece of metal and you whittle it down to a part, and those parts become subassemblies, additive manufacturing or 3, 3D printing is just the opposite. You take a metal powder, you hit it with lasers, and you create layer by layer by layer until you have the part that's formed. Um, the advantages of additive manufacturing or 3D metal printing is that you can do things on demand and customize that you could never build before, or you can implement designs that are much lighter, stronger, and more durable than you could with traditional um, subtractive manufacturing. Uh, the reason that um, our company came into existence is because that process has so many variables in it that the thing that is keeping 3D metal printing from becoming, it, it, taking its place along traditional manufacturing is the lack of quality, consistency, and standards. And our product, PrintWrite 3D and PrintWrite 3D Lite, addresses those issues head on. So if you look at the inevitability of additive manufacturing or 3D printing taking its place alongside traditional manufacturing, we become one of the key catalysts to moving it from prototyping to full industrialization. So you might have uh, answered it in, in that answer, but what I was getting at is what did you see in the company? What made you uh, take on the role of uh, CEO? Sure. Uh, clearly the potential uh, and to contribute to a major shift in the world's economy when it comes to the way that we manufacture things today. Um, 3D printing has been around for quite a while, uh, and it's popular primarily on the plastic or the polymer side. 3D metal printing opens up a whole new um, frontier of the way that companies will manufacture parts um, for airplanes or automobiles or oil and gas rigs um, or even for the human body. So parts that are high value um, but low quantity that need to be customized or, or made on demand um, is a whole new opportunity to contribute to the, um, the way things are made and how quickly they can be produced. So what so, attracted me was clearly the opportunity, number one. And then number two, the technology that the company has patented over the last four or five years that um, gives the company a um, defensible and leading position in the marketplace. Okay. And so, you know, 3D printing is, is growing but hadn't yet reached an inflection point. How far off do you think we are for that? 
Well, HP did a study recently, and of the world's 500 largest manufacturers, 80% of them have a 3D printing or additive manufacturing initiative. Um, so clearly we're getting closer. Um, if you look at any studies for the inflection point, um, the inflection point will come when the issues of the quality and consistency and cost are addressed. And with the innovations that you see coming from the printer manufacturers and the companies that make the material that go into building a part, um, we're getting very close to that inflection point. So most analysts say it's within the next one to three years. So it, it seems like it, it'll be an enormous market. What is your addressable market for your part in it? We focus on the industrial 3D metal printing component. And if you look at that, that's the largest part of the, um, the metal printing market today. Uh, if you take the number of metal printers that are being produced a year, I think they're saying the, the um, compounded growth rate is around 22%. So if you look at the number of machines that are being produced today, you do a compounded growth rate of 20, 22%. That gives us an addressable market of about a billion dollars. And for every 5% of that market um, that we can take, that represents about $100 million of revenue to the company. And how crowded is the space? And where do you fit into the competitive landscape? Well, it's an interesting space because I often use the analogy of computers. Um, and when com companies were um, beginning to adopt different computer systems for different processes throughout their organization. When they started, they started with one computer manufacturer that would provide a security or a systems administration, system software to administer um, their, their network. As they got multiple machines from multiple manufacturers over a period of time, um, they knew that they couldn't secure their enterprise with a software security system from one manufacturer. So the independent software company, uh, industry was formed, and they were able to provide a security system across a heterogeneous set of computers. The same thing is happening with um, 3D metal printing. Each one of the manufacturers provides their own software quality assurance system um, to make sure that the part that's being processed and produced meets the requirements that were set forth in the design. But what's happening is companies add more additive manufacturing and 3D printing factories around the world. All of a sudden, they have printers from different manufacturers, and there's no way to be able to assess the quality in a consistent way across all those printer types or across your supply chain. So where we come in is we provide a third-party agnostic in-process quality assurance system that works on all the major 3D metal printer, printers that are being manufactured today. Okay. And so your, I, I guess you would say your, your biggest strength or core competency is, is accuracy or, or, or what? Well, there, there are a couple of them. Uh, at its core, it's the ability to look at signals that are coming off of the machine and being able to interpret those signals and use machine learning to be able to predict that what is happening is about to cause a defect in the end product. 
So for those listeners that might have seen a, a bit, seen welding, if you look at a welder, uh, the color of the plume changes, the sparks change as he's laying down that bead. Well, the same thing happens with lasers hitting metal powder. As it's hitting the metal powder, building layer by layer in that part, we can see changes in the thermal plume. And from that, we can predict that they're about to produce a defect. So the first thing is being able to use our machine learning and use our repository of knowledge to be able to predict what's happening. The second thing is being able to do that across different machine types. Okay. And in terms of uh, the industries that you're targeting or, or the ones that are the, the biggest drivers right now, um, what are they? Uh, there are three or four of them. Aerospace and defense is probably the biggest. So if you look at what's happening with space exploration and you look at the need for lighter, durable, um, stronger components that are custom-made, it's clearly a big application there. Automotive is a second, oil and gas is a third, and medical is a fourth. Okay. And, and so your customers are who? The customers are companies like Airbus, um, Baker Hughes in the oil and gas arena, um, Mitsubishi in the heavy manufacturing. And then we work with a number of universities and research organizations that are um, producing the next leaders of the manufacturing world um, who have all um, adopted our technology as a standard way of being able to train those uh, future manufacturing leaders about the need for in-process quality assurance throughout that additive manufacturing process. Okay, and then how are you reaching these customers? What channels? Well, primarily through um, uh, different user groups, um, uh, different um, uh, international standards bodies organizations. So we work closely with um, NIST, ISO, and ASTM, and um, they produce studies and produce content for the consumers that are coming up this learning curve on 3D metal printing. So um, it's through that type of interchange. It's a very difficult process um, because it, it, this is the formation of the industry. And with COVID and the lack of trade shows, it becomes even more difficult. Fortunately, through the standards organizations, uh, we're getting the word out of our ability to be able to work across the different um, uh, hardware OEMs and produce the type of results that we've been able to prove. So how else has uh, COVID affected things? Well, two ways. Um, in the short term, COVID is affecting everybody's capital budgets. I mean, if you look at those industries we just talked about, um, aerospace, um, automotive, oil and gas, they're all under pressure because they're capital expenditures. So in the short term, it's, it's hurt the business a, a bit. Long term, though, um, COVID is going to be a catalyst for additive manufacturing. As a matter of fact, Thomas Friedman of the New York Times predicted that um, uh, 3D printing will be one of the big winners coming out of this COVID area when we do come out of it. And the reason is, um, when COVID hit, it exposed the vulnerabilities in today's supply chains. 
um, the country was scrambling for ways to produce ventilators and other components. And manufacturers are realizing that the complexity and the rigidity of their supply chain is going to cause them problems in time of crisis. So what we're seeing right now are companies beginning to build factories around the world where they can build parts or components on demand, customized, um, and build them closer to where they're going to be needed as opposed to um, relying on complex, rigid supply chains. So I also hear about um, the EV, electric vehicle market, and use of 3D. Why, is, why do you think they're adopting it? Uh, same reasons for aerospace. You can do designs that you could never do before. So you take a, an assembly of 20 parts, um, producing each part and putting it into a component into a vehicle is expensive, number one, and number two, it's difficult to maintain. Uh, with 3D metal printing, you're able to design a, a part that could have taken 20 separate parts um, with traditional manufacturing, and you're able to design that and produce it, customized for any type of vehicle, um, and usually the end result is that you have a stronger, more durable component as compared to if you had created that with 20 different parts that were then assembled together. So um, the, the, the ability to do things that you could have never done before. Um, one of the things that people misunderstand is that additive manufacturing is not a replacement for traditional manufacturing. It's a complement to it to be able to do things that you couldn't achieve with traditional. And when you look at the electric car and electric truck industry, uh, they have to have more durability. They have to be able to get efficiency from uh, the electric batteries. They have to be lighter and stronger for them to be able to compete um, uh, with the fossil fuel-based um, trucks and cars. Very good. And then are you going this alone, or do you have any partners? Uh, we have um, several partners. As a matter of fact, the strength of our strategy, Jeff, is that we're going after the market holistically. And when I mean holistically, uh, we're working with the research and uh, universities that I mentioned earlier. We're working with the international standards groups, so each one of those is a partner with us. Um, we're working with the hardware vendors. We recently signed a contract with um, DMG Mori, which is a large German company, a combination of German and Japanese companies that merge together that have 100,000 traditional manufacturing customers and 800 salespeople. They're producing a series of 3D metal printers and we're the preferred monitoring system for all their printers that are being produced. We also just announced a OEM contract with additive manufacturing or additive industries um, in the Netherlands and they service the high-end aerospace market. And uh, they have certified their printers as um, 3D, uh, as PrintWrite 3D ready. Um, so we're now going into their customer base. And so those are just two of the latest partnerships that we formed. Now, are most of the sales in the U.S.? No, they're pretty equally spread. Um, last quarter we had a sale in, J in Japan with Mitsubishi, uh, a, a couple in Europe and one in the U.S. This quarter it might be a little bit different, but we're pretty spread out. 
And that, again, goes to um, the popularity of um, additive manufacturing. It's not a U.S. phenomenon that's beginning to take off. Um, all the major manufacturers worldwide are investing in technology. And uh, how do we make money? What, what's the revenue model look like? Well, today uh, we sell an integrated hardware software solution that is an edge computer that sits next to the printer. Um, and that's what gives us the ability to real time to be able to collect the signals and be able to use our machine learning to predict. As we form more relationships with hardware vendors, they will take over the provisioning of the hardware itself and our gross margin will increase from about 65% to about 90%. Um, we'll always have a hardware software system for end users, but the model that we're building um, begins to shift the percentage of software-only business, which is at a much higher gross margin than the hardware integrated software business. And each one of those relationships that I mentioned is capable of generating seven figures to us in revenue starting in 2021. So it becomes additive, quote unquote, um, pun intended, pretty quickly, and it becomes more and prop more profitable as we shift to more of a software-only model. And so, w when you make a sale, is it per company or per machine or laserhead or what? What are you charging for? So 3D printers come single, dual, and quad laser. And uh, our technology uh, is priced based on the number of lasers on a machine. Um, because the more lasers you have on the machine, uh, the more components we have to put on to be able to monitor the plume and be able to collect the signals from all four lasers and provide feedback. So um, a single laser machine, uh, the average um, net revenue to us is about 100000 a dual laser would be about 150, and a quad laser would be about 200,000. So, what seems to be the gating factor for even faster growth? The gating factor for us is for companies to move from the prototyping through the qualification into serial production. Um, if you look at the companies that are investing in additive manufacturing today, and they start an R&D or prototyping project. They're really learning about the process and the materials. They're not worried about waste. They're not worried about machine time. Uh, they're not worried about the other benefits that we can provide them when they go into production. When they move into production, that's when you become worried about yield. You become worried about cycle time, the amount of time it takes to go through a build and be able to qualify it and, and then adjust it to address any defects. Uh, you're also more worried about um, material waste and uh, machine maintenance and things like that. So the gating factor to our growth is the acceleration of the adoption uh, as 3D metal printing goes from that R&D and prototyping into full industrialization. And then so, we so carried along with that. So, uh, so the drivers would be... Uh, you know, adoption of the 3D printing or direct, direct printing, and also, um, you know, industries like uh, like the EVs taking off. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. exactly. Okay. So, you know, when we look at your company over the next, say, 12 months, what are some of the things we should, should look for? 
you should look for the relationships that I mentioned earlier beginning to generate revenue for us. So that's the first thing. Uh, we're creating a leveraged model so that um, a company like DMG Mori or uh, Additive Industries has much more capability to be able to sell our technology uh, broadly worldwide than we do. And as you begin to see them execute, uh, that is the first trigger that is going to indicate that our company will be able to layer those revenue streams on top of each other. So, so that's the first thing. The second thing you should look for is more end-user announcements like we did with Mitsubishi and Airbus and Baker Hughes because from a market perspective, uh, the end-user creates the demand for our technology and it gets pulled by them through the OEMs. So the more end-users that we have that have validated our technology and, and find that they can standardize on it, the more pressure they put on the OEMs to be able to open up their systems to be able to use our technology. Very good. So before we go, are there any closing remarks or any points that you want to make to why uh, Sigma Labs is a great investment? Well, I, I think the three primary things, Jeff, are uh, one, that additive manufacturing itself uh, is inevitable, the growth and the impact that it's going to have on manufacturing. You don't have major shifts like this um, happen too often. The second component is that the things that are throttling the growth right now that I mentioned earlier, quality, consistency, and standards are what we address with our technology. And the last thing to leave people with is that each one of these deals or relationships that we put together is an independent stream that grows over time and becomes more and more profitable. And we're the only company in the world that has the ability to deliver an in-process quality assurance um, across multiple machines today that addresses the problem of consistency and quality for that end user as they begin to expand their use of 3D metal printing. Well, thank you, Mark, for, for sharing the Sigma Lab story. You're quite welcome, Jeff. I appreciate the opportunity to do, to do so.